Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. And good Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey with you. Brian Haydad will be joining us here in just a few minutes. Mississippi State had a basketball media basketball media availability today. That's a mouthful. And uh, he was there covering that. He'll join us here in a little bit. Richard Cross is off for the next few days. That means we're going to have a lot of fun on this radio show. And uh, it is great to be with you on this Thursday afternoon. And football's kind of coming down to a close. I don't know if you realize this. Oh, hey, that's here. He just sent me the, the message. Here is... Uh, Brian Haydad as well. So didn't miss any time. That's uh, pretty impressive considering where you were like five minutes ago. I move quick for a man of my size. <laughs> but th- this weekend's kind of a, a week of last. So tonight, you may not have known this, is the last NFL Thursday night football game of the year. It's the last one. Jets-Ravens, not particularly exciting game, but still the last midweek NFL game of the year. That's not on Monday night anyway. And Saturday is the last regular season college football game of the year with Army-Navy. So we are really winding down. I mean, I know people say this every year, but it's true. Doesn't it feel like you blink and the season's over? I mean, we were previewing the football season for three weeks in August, and that feels like two weeks ago. It really is crazy that, yeah, like I I, I can remember – Hey, I'm I'm going to New Orleans this weekend for the first game of the year, and now you blink your eyes and everything's wrapped up. Did anything happen while I was gone? Anything big news? I, I didn't. I wasn't. <laughs> you picked a good time to take off, I guess. I, I, it really is sort of funny because I, I would have just been like, "Yeah, it's good hire." No, I don't know this. I don't. I would have had like little drop in because <laughs> I mean, there's just no way around it. Ole Miss would have had to dominate the uh, the headlines the last couple of days as well. They should. And uh, what did you do? So you didn't go anywhere, right? You just you have a bunch of vacation days stockpiled up well, at the end of the year. So I, I crushed Richards over under on twenty days, twenty times to leave my house. I went out at least thirty times. Nice. Just, so I just I want, I want that known. It's on the record. Take, taking a kid to school, going out for a walk, picking up some dinner here and there. You know, I, I had stuff to do. Um, but really, I mean, I just sort of I just sort of hung out. You know, I I, I enjoyed it. You know, I just I took some time away. Did you play the new Call of Duty? No, I, you know, I've never been into FPSs, man. I, I've just never gotten into those. So it's more like open world, third person, Madden, NCAA football, may it rest in yeah, peace I mean, kind when of I'm stuff. Not playing sport, when, I, when I don't play sports games, I'm like, a, I play a lot of Red Dead Redemption. Uh, I haven't played it in a long time, but I was big into the Batman Arkham games. But other than that, yeah. Rupi, what's up in your world? Not a whole lot. Hanging out. Got a wedding this weekend. Saul, you wrote a story another on the... one? Yeah, another one. Back to back. It's a big time to be in suits. <laughs> <laughs> they go away eventually. Or you just start losing friends one way or the other. I remember 
like the year year and a half after I graduated college it was like that every weekend was a wedding now like I, I found out that one of my best friends has a girlfriend last night and like that's the next wedding I'll go to is whenever those two decide to get married years later it just completely changed either that or I'm losing all my friends one way or the other it could be both it's probably the latter but uh yeah. Hey, I want to I want to do something real quick. I, I'm gonna take a little show time, but I want to thank a lot of folks. I, I I don't have all of your names, all million of you, but I want to thank everybody. Uh, today, the Thunder and Lightning podcast went over one million listens for the year. Uh, that's that's I'm pretty impressed by that, even if, if I must say so myself. So, every Mississippi State fan and even the Ole Miss fans who've t- tuned in to hear me and uh, Joel Coleman talk, I want to give you guys uh, some thanks. I want to thank Super Talk for the platform it's been a been a fun ride a great ride with us so far and we're just gonna we're just gonna keep going see if we can get a million uh million and some change next year i like that appreciate that it should be a million people that's that's not enough they have bigger throng i was gonna make a joke that in 999,000 of those are your wife but that's still like let me tell you buddy not one of those is my (laughs) wife not a single one I did find out, so I give my wife hell for not listening to, like, my podcast and stuff. She'll listen to the radio, like, when she's in the car and stuff, but she's not going out of her way to consume my content. One of her excuses used to be she didn't know how to work the uh, Apple podcast app. And the other day I found out that she's been really enjoying the new uh, Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsley podcast. The Office Girls, yeah. The Office Girls, yeah. She loves that, so... Has found a way to figure out the app for that one, but somehow, you know, still not into the sports conversation. Yeah, well, I believe it. Can't say I blame her, though. Army-Navy this weekend. Do you guys get excited for this game, enjoy it, watch it because it's on, don't really care? Uh, for me, I enjoy it, and it mainly because I am an old man, and two teams that are going to run the ball – 95% of the time is is enthralling to me. Never mind the pomp and circumstance and pageantry of one of college football's great games. Just the game itself is exciting to me. I do the red-blooded American thing with this game. I'm such a nerd when it comes to Army-Navy stuff. and like I, I feel pride watching that football game. And it's not... Yeah. It, if it was... Georgia Tech and uh, who else runs the triple option? I don't know. Old Miss 2019. Playing against each other, I wouldn't enjoy that game that much. But since yeah. it's the – because I have a very good friend from high school that went to West Point, actually played football there, and he is the perfect human being. Like, it, it frustrates you how awesome this guy is because he's flawless. And that's a field full of those dudes that are deciding to – sacrifice their life potentially for us and they're on this field playing football that kind of stuff gets to me and i know it's kind of silly and nerdy whatever i watch that game and i feel pride for my country watching those two teams play football there's nothing sappy about that i don't think there's nothing uh wrong with that no i'm with you 100 percent. scotty and Pontotalk is asking you hey dad if you uh get a dollar for every listener Here's how you know that I don't. I'm still in the air. <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah. If, I, if that check would go in, I would go ahead and retire. Or just do the podcast from the Turks and Caicos or something. Well, it, not only that, but there would be uh, two podcasts a day. You get, you get the <laughs> evening edition. 
so a lot of stuff to get to with you this afternoon. Uh, I guess the the biggest breaking news of the day, although it's not really a surprise, Kylan Hill, uh, Mississippi State star running back, is off to the NFL. Slightly different than Cam Dantzler, though. Uh, he will play in the Music City Bowl. Yeah, yeah, a, a different, you know, Dancer. obviously, he, I think he made that declaration while I was out as well. Uh, he's sitting out. Kylan Hill will, will go for one more. He is about, I think, 50, just, just shy of 50 yards short of the all-time single-season record uh, at Mississippi State. He'll break Anthony Dixon's record if he just has any kind of production against a Louisville defense that the last time we saw them was getting gashed up and down the field on the ground by Kentucky. So, uh, yeah, not a, not a huge surprise. Uh, not somebody I've seen on – I haven't seen the draft boards that have him on there, but – He's been so productive, and he's got enough. Uh... I did see where he was the sixth underclassman running back to declare for the draft. Now, that doesn't mean he's the number six underclassman running back, but he is the sixth one to declare for the draft. Yeah, and like I said, we talked about it on the show, right, that when you're, when you're a running back, you only have so many carries. You only have so much gas in the tank. Time to go ahead and start getting paid for it. I think I think he, he's making the the right choice, and uh, I expect him to you know be a. I think he'll get drafted. I think he'll be a productive NFL back. We had a conversation yesterday, and we're going to continue that coming up. We we didn't go too in depth with it because we were missing Brian Haydad. But uh, this bowl game, generally speaking, bowl games don't mean a whole lot. I mean, if you win them, great. But if you lose them, yeah, so what? You still got the money, and you still got the practices. Is this one different for Mississippi State? We'll get Haydad's perspective on that. Uh, Dan Mullen was uh, interviewed last night and seemed very giddy at the prospect of getting a phone call from the NFL. We'll tell you what he said and whether or not he would fit in the league coming up later. Speaking of the NFL, there's a major storyline to watch this weekend. It's my favorite football storyline of the year involving Drew Locke, uh, of all people. Not a name that jumps out at you in NFL circles, but I've got a story about him going into this weekend that... Uh, you're going to want to hear. That's coming up later on in the show. Uh, we'll look at uh, what the odds makers think about Mississippi State's bowl game, the other SEC teams in bowls, and the college football playoffs. Some pretty big lines in bowl season. Some of them might surprise you. That's coming up later. Uh, Lane Kiffin, we'll get into this here in a little bit as well. He's having some fun on Twitter today and uh, a lot of reaction uh, across the state to what the new ball coach at Old Miss is doing on social media. Matt Corral announced that he will be back uh, at Ole Miss next year. So the quarterback room, believe it or not, which if you told me two weeks ago that this was the case, I'd have called you crazy, is unchanged in Oxford after this last season. And a whole lot more coming up with you. So we'll get into all of that this afternoon. Your text as well. 601-879-4395. That's the ceasefire text on. You want to be a part of the show, do it that way. 601 601- 879-4395. We'll be right back. Stick around. Uh, talking some Lane Kiffin Twitter. He also reportedly has hired a new offensive coordinator. So we'll talk about that next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Back in on Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. It's great to be with you. It's a nice Thursday afternoon. A little chilly outside, but... Uh, Got to go on a good little run this morning, so not a bad day out there. Should have a nice weekend in the 60s as well, get some yard work done, and then it's really going to drop next week. So there's your daily weather update from me, but uh, it's good to be with you on this Thursday afternoon. And before we get into football stuff, I do want to bring this up. The plan was to do it yesterday, and 
uh, we just got caught up in some things and didn't actually bring it up. So, Rippy, you are uh, going to need your help uh, a little bit on this, but we get a text from the 601 asking for the real story behind uh, the Ole Miss softball coach resigning. If it's really a witch hunt, they say, should the people who forced him out resign? So a story came out from, correct me if I'm wrong, Softball America? Yes. That uh, outlined the reasons why he resigned. And one of them was a player who was not on scholarship, according to this report, uh, had a parent that told this publication that if their player was not put on scholarship, that they would claim that Ole Miss's softball coach inappropriately touched their daughter. And this went into details about interviews they did where the majority of the players on the team did not say that any of this happened. They did not confirm that kind of inappropriate touching or anything like that, but there's just a a couple of players that are making these claims that led to his resignation. Uh, I'm going to completely level with you here. I don't know any of the minute details about the Ole Miss softball program and this investigation into it. I don't know anything about Softball America or softball in general. I'm I'm not being mean. It's just not something that's been on my radar doing this job. But this seems like a pretty big deal. It is a softball publication. I mean, the word witch hunt was used in the story. And if that is true, if it is true that a player's parent made this report because they were vindictive on a coach not giving their daughter scholarship money, that's a big deal and a big problem. I just don't, being honest with you, I just don't know any of the details about this. And I've I've tried to talk to people, and they don't really know any of the details about this either. So, Rippy, is there anything that you can add outside of what has been reported in this article because I've asked around, I really have, and everybody gives me the same answer. It looks bad, but I don't really know. No, I mean, that's about all I got. With respect to softball, there's a football coaching search going on, among other things. Uh, Seems like a bad situation. And if that article is true, it's just, uh, I mean, that's bad. It's ugly. And um, Keith Carter's got a mess on his hands. Uh, for sure, but outside of what is reported in that article, just to level with you, I don't know what the real story could be. I've asked, I've tried, um, but most everybody's kind of like us. Is All we know is what Softball America uh, reported, and outside of that, um, nothing, nothing really else to add to it. So I'm sorry I can't give you more details. We'll continue to try to find out, uh, but that's all we have to go by um, right now. So we'll turn the page now to football. We we get a question here uh, from Kevin and Ripley. He's asking about uh, Lane Kiffin hiring. Uh, is it Josh Levy from UCF? Jeff Levy. Jeff Levy. Excuse me. That sounds like it's a done deal. There's been some reports out of Florida that have said that it's done. It just hasn't been reported officially yet. The current offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at UCF, Jeff Levy, um, is set to be named the OC at Ole Miss. And if you look at some of the recent offers that they've given out, certainly seems like that's been in the works maybe even for a couple days now. Yeah, I mean, been at UCF since 2017, kind of at the height of UCF's thing. Um, Lane Kiffin will be the primary offensive coordinator, obviously, uh, given his background. But, you know, I guess you can't ever have enough good minds and quarterback developers on the same staff. And which makes... 
Matt Corral, especially today, because that's kind of when you got his confirmation that he wasn't going anywhere, was earlier today and Grant Tisdale coming back. I'm fascinated by the fact that that quarterback room is completely unchanged. Because the way it was handled last year, and we've beaten this dead horse to the ground, but there was going to be a mass exodus in that room if there was not a change. And everybody's back. And now you have Lane Kiffin in the fold and and this guy who has a reputation of being a quarterback guy. And now they're in the same boat they were last year. You've got two guys now with starting experience in the same season. A guy with some upside in Grant Tisdale all battling for the same job. You know, wash, rinse, repeat. It's Groundhog Day. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. You're kind of going in with the similar-ish situation. I guess not exactly the same because Corral was... Seen as the front runner last year to win the job, or was no? I mean, they were basically competing to be his backup. Now it seems like more of an open competition. But yeah, certainly interesting. Three pretty different quarterbacks heading into basically kind of a not an exact reset, but like it'll be interesting to see who kind of distances themselves and fits better in Kiffin's system. Real quick, putting a pause on this because I saw uh, Haydad said something about it. Jacob Peeler, the former. Uh, wide receiver coach at Ole Miss is getting his first shot at being a coordinator at Texas State is where uh, Jacob Peeler will be the OC. Jake Spavital is uh, the coach there. But hey, Dad, there was talk about him ending up in Starkville as the wide receiver coach. There, there was some just message board chatter, but it, it felt like a you know a good fit. A guy who had come to Ole Miss had a lot of success in the on the recruiting trail, uh, and you know, and with Mississippi State offensively next season, the twenty twenty one class. There are, I think, five legit four-star receivers in this state. Uh, so you were hoping maybe, you know, there was some talk that could, could move some things around. you got to feel like there's going to be at least one opening on Mississippi State staff. My first thought is special teams. Uh, not that, that Peeler would have gone there, but you can always do some reshuffling if you want to. But, like you said, that's not going to be happening now because he's headed to, uh, to Texas State. Imagine the shuffling. And like the, just the whole butterfly effect of the fake pee celebration. What do you call it? Urination simulation. Urination simulation. That ended up with Lane Kiffin in Oxford, obviously. But Matt Luke getting fired. He going to Georgia. Lane Kiffin comes to Ole Miss. Jacob Peeler ends up at Mississippi State. Brings the belt with him that Elijah Moore was carrying around on the sidelines after he did the celebration that cost them the game. Sounds like the 12 days of Christmas. <laughs> and a partridge in a pear tree. Yeah. Um, something else that was out there yesterday as far as Ole Miss staff, it's been pretty tight-lipped, Rippy. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's in a major hurry anyway, trying to do what he can to salvage the early signing period, but most of the recruiting movement that they're going to do for this class, and make no mistake about it, it's a transition class, um, will be done before the February or during the February signing period, and not so much this one, but Ross Dellinger yesterday uh, said that there's a growing feeling from people around Ole Miss that uh, Mike McIntyre will be kept by Lane Kiffin. I know there was a report, a local report, that that was already decided a few days ago, but that seemed to be a little premature. But uh, now Ross is saying that it looks like that's where this thing is headed. Uh, what's your reaction to that? I mean, I think it's smart, at least for the time being, to kind of try to, I guess, salvage as much of this class as possible. You mentioned it being a transition class. But, yeah, I imagine there will be some staff movement and some attrition after the early signing period as well. But, you know, 
probably not. I mean, priority number one seems to be recruiting in the this early signing period right now. So not a whole lot of traction on that as of this moment. All right. So uh, we will keep an eye on that. But uh, should we talk about this this uh, Starkville Hale State picture trolling thing? I'll leave that up to you guys. Are we going to admit that it's trolling? That's my first question. So in case you missed it, if you've been hiding under a rock, and we've got our friend Anthony here that is so mad that we're talking about Ole Miss today. Guess what, Anthony? We're going to spend basically the entire 4 o'clock hour on Mississippi State. So uh, well, just so he, you know. He, he was mad about the first segment. We talked about Kylan Hill for like half of it. Just so you know, Anthony. People make my head hurt. Uh, there are two major schools in this state. Really three, because Southern Miss That's plays three, Division yeah. One football. But the majority of our listeners are either fans of Mississippi State, like you are, or Ole Miss. And believe it or not, I know this might be difficult for you to believe, but Ole Miss is a news story right now, more so than Mississippi State is. But we are going to talk a lot about Mississippi State today. I mean, Kylan Hill's decision to go to the NFL draft is not surprising, but it's a big deal. He had a great career at Mississippi State. We're you got to talk-, talk louder. He said he was leaving. He can't hear you walking away. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'll miss him. We'll talk about where we think he's going to go in the draft and how he's going to be remembered. All that stuff's coming. But Ole Miss is a story, too, today. And so we're going to talk about them as well. We've got to do both, Anthony. Like We appreciate you listening, and we're, we're glad you're with us. But they're both the story today, so we're going to talk about them both. If you want exclusively Mississippi State conversation and nothing else, Brian, it has Join a great the millions. podcast for you. The millions of listeners. But when Ole Miss is a story, we're going to talk about Ole Miss. When Mississippi State's a story, we're going to talk about them too. And we'll do that today, I promise. But we're going to talk about trolling on Twitter in the Egg Bowl next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. On the street. Jeff sends us a text about uh, Joe Horn, and yeah, we'll get to that news here shortly. There's uh, a handful of NFL players, former NFL players, that have been charged with uh, a scheme to defraud millions from the NFL's health care benefits program, and he is tied up in that. We'll get to that here in a little bit, but first, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you, and... Uh, Something we referenced before the break, and it caused a bit of a firestorm on Egg Bowl Twitter, and uh, we'll talk about it now. So in case you missed it, Lane Kiffin's the kind of guy that enjoys to um, tweet. He's kind of fun on Twitter. If you remember when he was flying to Oxford, he tweeted at Tennessee football saying that he needs to change his son's name, which is Knox, after Knoxville when he was the coach at Tennessee. His son was born... He kind of does that stuff, and so far his his thing has been to tweet the image of the airport that he has flown into. He's done Conway, Arkansas, Baton Rouge, a couple others, I think. But today he tweeted a picture of the airport there in Starkville, and then tweeted another picture of the airport in Starkville, and then the one that really got everybody fired up was just a picture of a wall with the phrase Hail State on it. And that caused a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of people talking, and uh, this is what you get with a guy like him, but I saw you two also uh, 
went back and forth on this a little bit. What do you think about it? I thought he was trolling from from the jump. Now that said, I didn't know about the uh, what R- R- Rippy informed me, and that he's been doing it at every stop. And that's fine. But then when you you come in with the help, and that looked like it was on campus. That's that that looks like the kind of lettering I see everywhere on MSU. You're trolling. He's trolling. And and that's you know what? It's okay. It's okay for him to troll. It's okay to for that to happen. I don't have an issue with it. But he trolls everyone. Yeah, that, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. He just just as long as as we're admitting that he's trolling, we're good. Yeah, I, sure. But I don't think it's school specific because, like I said, on, on his plane ride to be introduced as head coach, he's tweeting at Vol Football. Do we have to change his name to question marks? Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know, I don't want to have to deal with the uh, the fallout of everything that happened up in Oxford the other day with uh, with everything that you know went on. But that's but said, that's part of this. Like it, it's a it's a big part of it, and it was a bad hill to die on for some people. But because, it's it's less about what happened and less more about what was written. Because like yeah. To, like, everybody's had terrible assignments from editors if you worked at a newspaper. Like, I got assigned to cover a toy boat race in Heber Springs, Arkansas one time, and I really considered to keep <laughs> <Wait>. driving. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Until I, 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 yeah. <laughs> Y'all think I'm kidding. Brian's got uh, Rippy on the toy boat race in Heber Springs, Arkansas as a story I need to read. You think right. I'm kidding? I covered the Miss Arkansas pageant. I had to cover oh some God. kind of grand opening of an art gallery, a beer festival. I covered okay, a that doomsday. that last one's not that bad. I covered a doomsday prepper cult. I did all kinds of stuff. See, those Anyways. last two are fine. I, uh, no, they're not. Not the last one. But point being, <laughs> point being, I thought about just driving west until my car ran out of gas, but I didn't do that. I just sucked it up and did it. And I get that's part of it, but it was the insinuation where he didn't get the answer he wanted, so he just made one up. Like, the way it was written was, like, he didn't say anything about it, but he has to know this. Like, that's kind of irresponsible. Because what's the difference between me asking about the roster and being like, well, he didn't say anything about the roster. You have to think Corral's the starter. Like it's just because, putting because, words uh, in his mouth. I, I get that he, you you can feel that way, and that that's one way to look at it. But at the same time, any coach and, and Kiffin's answer sort of gives a, an insight into that. He says there's rivalries all around college football. Is that, am I correct? That that's basically what he said. Yeah, I mean, he, so, he, so he, he under to say that he doesn't understand the importance would be to do be doing Kiffin a disservice, in my opinion. Sure, but the, I thought it was very poorly worded. I did, but like I thought people made too much of a big deal about the presence and the question itself. Because again, and especially since the very him. next day, Aaron Suttles writes an article about Kiffin, and I, I haven't read that article. So if I'm wrong, you tell me. But did he? Did was he at the press conference? Did he ask questions about? Are you trying to get back at Alabama? He was not there. I don't so believe then, that was president. I think that was from the Alabama side. Okay, but my point is this: nobody said anything to him. I'm with you there. Like, I don't have a problem with, like, I, I didn't have a problem with any of it. I found all of it to be silly, but, like, I think a lot of it was misunderstood because, again, if you've ever worked at a newspaper or anything like it, like, you get bad assignments from your bosses sometimes and you just have to suck it up and do it. I could sympathize with that. The boat race was awesome, by do the way. Do you have a link to that boat race story? Let me see. You've got to find that. that. The front of supertalk.fm. <laughs> the Miss Arkansas that's pageant story was some of my finest work. See, but that's like a, an, an event inside that... look. Is that what we're talking about, Rippy? <laughs> Jeez. 
but that's like an event that you know it actually it, like people cover it. Like that's an assignment that I understand. It's funny that you had to go cover it, but at least like the Miss Arkansas pageant is something that people care about. Like Miss Mississippi's a big deal around here. People really care about it. A toy boat race though is just out there. I'm gonna find this somewhere. I cannot wait to. I cannot wait to read that. But yeah, that's the thing. And, and so when I saw, I, I laugh at almost everything he tweets. I think he's. He's a content goldmine, if nothing else. And that yeah. stuff today, like if you had a negative feeling about that, like if that bothered you, that's a you problem. And I saw yeah. people, all oh, the egg bowls spicier than ever today. No, nah, that, yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not the case. No, if he went used the, the, his introductory press conference to say, I'm going to beat them SOBs down in Starkville, then yes. But yeah. tweeting a picture is more just like, hey, guys, I'm here. I see you. Like, yeah, I'm, I I I don't the, the the tweet itself I don't have an issue with. I thought the issue the bigger issue was what we just talked about, and then and this is something I I, I have rattled on, on on for years it seems. But the the concept or the the narrative that the egg bowl doesn't mean as much to Ole Miss drives me insane. Drives me absolutely insane that when people say that, and it, it's one of those things that they, people try to play it off as oh we're more concerned about beating Alabama and LSU. Everybody's more concerned about beating an Alabama, beating Alabama and LSU. Those are the top two teams. Those are the teams to beat. The idea that the Egg Bowl is not important in the state of Mississippi to Ole Miss fans is ludicrous, and I, I'm saying it out here. It's ludicrous to say that there that Ole Miss fans don't care about the Egg Bowl and that care about other games more than the Egg Bowl. Everybody cares about it probably about the same. If I had to guess. I do think that there's more to Matt Luke's firing than the Egg Bowl. I, I'll totally 100% agree with that. And, but his hiring and his firing came after an Egg Bowl win and an Egg Bowl loss. And so it's going to be framed that way. There's no way around that. Sure. Oh, I think the hiring had way more up to do with uh, the Egg Bowl win than the firing. I agree. But, I agree direct correlation, I guess. I think the firing was more the last straw and the hike leg and all that bad national look. Hiring definitely, I, I think it's almost I, almost I unquestionable because re- I just don't see how they even even those people the round and you you've heard the narrative and all that. I don't see how you get the the momentum up enough to actually make the hire if he goes five and seven. To me, six and six and five and seven and seventeen were a big difference. Let it, me ask you this: I don't I don't think I have had had chance to do it, but if almost just loses the game in normal regular fashion, does he get fired? Oof. I think you know, they so. Just, they kick the I extra think, point. No penalty. They kick the extra point. We go to overtime. State just wins in overtime. I think so. You still think so? Okay. I can't say for certain, but I would. If you made me lean one way, I would lean towards what Borky's saying. But man, I I I don't feel not near as confident. No, not not even close. Okay. It's just it, it, because I, it's uh, if you frame it on the other side, and we talked about this after it happened, like if you frame it on the other side and just take away the dog pee, like like can you really your like, urination rep- simulation, please? Yeah, it's, <laughs> can you like is that really what got like tipped it over the edge? Like to me, if you take that out and they still lose in overtime, and I, I just I tend to think more went into the decision than. The leg swinging upward. I've, 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 the 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 thought I've had for the past you know couple of weeks here is that even the loss and the way the loss happened, it was the incredible negative press that Ole Miss got for the next forty eight hours. I think that played a huge role. I think Absolutely. I think if they had just lost, I think if they had just lost, 
you, you could have sold everybody on another year. As I mean, it would have been a painful sell, evidently, but but that much negative perception for Ole Miss was just too much to bear. John in Corinth says he was fired even if he won. Boosters wanted to change. See, I, I disagree there. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I think that nah. a win would That sounds like what we were saying about Moorhead right before it happened. It, yeah. It, I don't. I don't buy into that at all. A win would have kept him around. I do think, though, that even though it's hard to replace a win because Ole Miss didn't win a meaningful game at all this past season, uh, if let's say they found a way to lose to Arkansas and won the Egg Bowl, I still think he's gone. Yeah. If the record is four and eight with an Egg Bowl win, I think he's gone. Either way, I don't know. People are just so far out. I mean, the, but to act like that game doesn't trigger emotional decisions is not true either. That's all I wanted to hear. Thank you, Rippy. Well, well, no, I mean, there's, well, there's, you can't dispute that. Look at seventeen, Matt Luke. Look at nineteen Moorhead. I don't dispute it. There I'm not the one disputing, and you're not either. It's other people that are disputing. It. No, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. A few of your texts have come in. We'll get to those next, and I will tell you that NFL news as well. It's Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Some of your reaction. A conversation about Blade Kiffin having a little fun doing some trolling on Twitter today and the reaction that's come of it. And then it turned into Egg Bowl and, you know, who this game means more to and who this game doesn't mean anything to. We had some reaction. Here's Billy on the uh, Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed. He says the Egg Bowl only doesn't mean anything to Ole Miss fans when they lose. We also got a text here from Jason. In Columbia. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I'll get to you in a second there, Jason. Robin Tupelo says, I'm a rebel for life, and there's no doubt about it. The Egg Bowl is the key to every season. I think the way I look at it is obviously the Egg Bowl is important. There's no doubt. I mean, as both of you guys said, there's no doubt about it. It's, it's an important game. It has caused both programs at times to make emotional decisions about the future of their program. And sometimes they work out. Sometimes they don't. Like in 2017, if this was an emotional reaction for Ole Miss, it's pretty safe to say that it, it's going to work out in their favor. I'm not trying to say the game shouldn't be important. But where I come from is those emotional decisions should not be made because of the yeah. outcome of the Egg Bowl. That's where that's the disconnect. Because you have some people that say the game doesn't matter, and that's that's false. Because it does. Of course it does. But you should not make decisions that change the trajectory of your program because of the outcome of that game. And that has happened. That's a problem. It happened in the Iron Bowl a couple of decades ago. You know, Bill Bill Curry, his final year at Alabama, he went to the Sugar Bowl. He won the SEC, but he never beat Auburn. So they fired him. You know, now... They haven't, to my knowledge, there hasn't been a, a similar situation like that. But you know, these games mean a lot to a lot of people. So to 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 act like it doesn't, no, that you do a disservice. You do a disservice to the coaches and the players. And not that I'm you know trying to rattle you know rail anybody up here, but you know they want to win those games. Matt Luke was in his his press conference on on the week before the ball saying want to get the trophy back. You know, the players they want to they want to have that trophy. So yeah, to say that it doesn't mean anything, or that one side cares more, it's it's just it's just false. Repeat. Sounded like you were about to say something. 
Oh, no, I don't have anything to add there. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I was I, watching a guy, uh, some video popped up on my Twitter of a guy floating over the ocean on some kind of contraption. It kind of blew me away. Sorry. <laughs> was it a tiny boat? No, no, I don't know what this was. It looked like some kind of jetpack. Yeah, they've. it's a jetpack. Like, those actually exist now for very short flights. And you've got to be a strong person because, I mean, it's like the Iron Man jetpack. Like, your arms are what's holding you up. Um, but those, the technology is actually there now. I've seen that video. Pretty cool. Um, like, I, I did see somebody today, um, and it wasn't just like some rando on Twitter. It's somebody that has a byline that said, all of the work that Matt Luke and Jim Ward have done to stop this Egg Bowl madness, well, that's gone. If one tweet of the words Hail State end all of that, like that's not why Ole Miss and Mississippi State fought a couple of years ago. Like that, If that is what causes emotional anything at all, negative, whatever, if you don't just, huh, and move on, that is a you problem. But that right there is not going to spark some massive Egg Bowl fight coming up this season. Like, if that's all Lane no. Kiffin does, that's nothing at all. And it will change nothing. It will spark nothing. That's not locker room material. That That's just a fun tweet. I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm missing something. But I saw a lot of that. And from a couple national guys as well. And if that is what sparks something in this, then we've got a big problem. There's nothing to spark. It's already spark. It's already on fire. There is no more spark. So the idea that something it had calmed the rhetoric had calmed down a little bit, but the actual rivalry is just as intense as ever. All right. So this NFL story that I teased, I promise I'm uh, going to get to that right now. Uh, There is a a story that came out this morning, kind of unexpected, surprising uh, NFL news. The Department of Justice announced charges this morning of ten former NFL players over a scheme to defraud millions of dollars from the league's health care benefits program. Prosecutors allege that the players submitted fake and fraudulent claims for high-cost medical equipment to the league's Gene Upshaw Health Reimbursement Account Plan for Retired Players between June of 2017 and December of last year. In a press release, they said the charges range from health care fraud to wire fraud and conspiracy involving over $3.9 million dollars and false health care claims. Among those charged include Clinton Portis and Joe Horn, who was just on the yeah. show with us uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, ten names. A couple of them have ties to Southern Miss as well. Uh, but Clinton Portis and Joe Horn are the two biggest names uh, mentioned in this deal. Uh, so, surprising news. And $3.9 million of fraud ain't no joke. Yeah, it's, that's something. That's a story worth worth keeping up with. And uh, if there's any update to that, of course, we will follow along. A lot, a lot of your texts have come in. We'll get to those next and then turn the page over to Kylan Hill. Uh, we'll play his last game at Mississippi State in the Music City Bowl. We'll talk about his draft status, how Mississippi State fans should look back at his career, and a whole lot more with you at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Four o'clock hour on this Thursday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky. Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. And we'll start the 4 o'clock, o- 4 o'clock hour off with a good question from Miles here. Miles asks uh, about Cam Dantzler and Kylan Hill. 
He's asking if them leaving early is a sign of problems within the program or a feather in Joe Moorhead's cap that he can develop guys into NFL talent in just three years. He said it seems like a pretty stark contrast from last season where seemingly everybody stayed for their senior year. So uh, we'll start there and then uh, get to your text and then actually react to Kylan Hill moving to the NFL. So, hey, Dad, what do you think? Um, It's sort of, I hate to say neither, but I feel like it's neither. Uh, I don't think, you know, because Moorhead didn't recruit these guys. Um, they only got, a, you know, they had a couple years with them. But Dantzler, you know, going into last season was a guy you could see doing that. And Kyle, Now, Kylan Hill is a guy that I didn't know that he was going to have the kind of year as a junior, and he was underutilized, but he had a, a fantastic year, and he showed you a lot. This year, yeah, Joe Moorhead has definitely done a good job of putting him, of making him the feature uh, of the offense. Um, and it is a little bit of a contrast. Of course, last year, the only guy who really came back that, that was a big deal was Montez Sweat. Abram wasn't, you know, looked at as a first round pick going into last season. Simmons was a sophomore going into his junior year. He couldn't go. Um, so Sweat coming back, I mean, he just didn't get the draft grade that he wanted. He, they told him what he needed to work on. He worked on it. And that's why he was a first round pick. Um, so, I mean, Moorhead and, and Mississippi State will definitely use it as a as a, a recruiting tool. Like, hey, you know, come to Mississippi State, we're putting guys in the pros on a regular basis, and now we've got guys who are only having to stay three years to do that. That's definitely a positive, but I don't know how much credit you really should give him. Phil, your text to get to, and then we'll continue on on this Thursday afternoon. Jeff says, people wake up looking for something to get mad about. See, here... I don't know about you, Haydad. I didn't see a lot of people that were actually mad uh, about Lane Kiffin tweeting a picture of a graphic on a wall in what looked like a break room. And by the way, I've got a question about that. Yeah. Do graphics like that exist in town off campus? If if they do, I don't know where they are. Like, that particular font is the MSU font. Now that's That's the font that you see at Davis Wade Stadium, at the Hump. At Duty Noble, everywhere. Yeah. So that to me looked like he was on campus. I, I I saw that and I thought, you know, he is looking for to or looking to fill out his staff. He needs an offensive line coach, and there's one offensive line coach at Mississippi State that happens to be an alum of Ole Miss. Possible, possible. Yeah. State's looking to hire a special teams coach. Maybe he's just going to make a quick move. <laughs> Um, but I yeah. say that, that hasn't made that official yet, but yeah. I, I, I have to assume it's going to happen. I didn't see so much anger, Jeff. As I saw more media people pretending that this was going to anger people. Is more so what I saw. That, and like I said, just the people here in the state decided it, like myself, decided to make a comment on it because of what had happened the other day. Sure. Uh, from the 770, I agree with that take, Borky. I'm a state fan and want to win the Egg Bowl every year, but I don't think you should make emotional decisions off of that game. From the 662, you say, and by the way, guys, if uh, if we don't say your name, that means uh, we don't have it. All you have to do is tell us your name one time. We'll save it uh, just in our system. We won't use your your phone number for any reason, but if we're just saying we're your area sell code, it to the Russians is what yeah. we're going to do. Well, make you know, just don't money. get one of those face apps and you don't have to worry about it. Um, but if we don't say your name, just give us your name one time. We'll save it, and uh, we'll have it there for us um, forever. Uh, but from the 662, you say, did anybody listen to Keith Carter? He plainly said after he stepped away from the emotion of the game that change had to be done. Jerry and Tupelo says, actually, Curry took the Kentucky job after the Sugar Bowl before they could fire him. 
Well, Alabama offered him a, a new contract that had some terrible provisions in it, basically because they were trying to run him off, if you if you look into it. Tim and Jackson. And so he smartly said, I'm going to leave now. Uh, see, I think, uh, I think the three of us just kind of respectfully disagree with you here. He says that he was going to get fired, win or lose the Egg Bowl. The timing of the release was due to the negative attention and replaying the simulation, bad press had to be responded to. See, I just I don't think that that was how that was going uh, going to work out. David and Tupelo says uh, Bill Curry quit uh, on his team to go to Kentucky. Uh, from the six six two, you say there were Ole Miss fans claiming that if the Rebels had won the egg this year, that they needed to leave the trophy in Starkville. That was a a running theme on some social media and some message boards. I did think it was a big-time power move that Ed Orgeron just doesn't care about trophies. That's sending a message. He took that SEC championship trophy. Oh, yeah. But, and the Magnolia Bowl thing is so stupid. And, I mean, that was two class presidents putting together something because they wanted to feel like they were accomplishing something. I don't think that either Ole Miss fans or LSU fans really care about that trophy, do they, Rippy? I don't think anybody cares. It's ugly. It's stupid. It's not the Big Ten. We don't need a trophy for every game around here. I mean, if you're rating the attractiveness of trophies, I would argue neither are particularly attractive, but sure. Well, the egg's the way better looking very than attractive that. Either. The boot looks like it could kill somebody. If you drop the boot... That somebody's going to get hurt. There are, oh gosh, I don't remember the teams now. There's a college basketball game being played today, and it's a trophy game. It's in Charlotte, and they play for the Hornet's Nest. And it's literally a trophy of a big Hornet's Nest, and it's the ugliest thing you've ever seen. If you've ever seen a Hornet's Nest, there's like nothing to it. It's, it just looks yeah, like a paper... Why? I, Terribly done. Why would I want that trophy? I I mean, why would you want that? That's the kind of one you leave on the sidelines. Yeah. Tracy, the mailman, says, I agree. Lack of team control got him fired. Had he lost in overtime, he would still be the coach. And I think we are all caught up. We'll turn the page anyway. I appreciate you guys listening, uh, texting the show, and being a part this afternoon. I usually love to get to all of your texts. If you're willing to text the show, um, I want to read it, but I think we should move on here. Uh, we've teased it enough. Kylan Hill moving on from Mississippi State. He put something out on Twitter thanking the fans and uh, really heartfelt stuff. You know, just uh, one of those. Um, he he actually deleted the tweet, so I can't read it to you. They they, they did another like he he did his own. The state did a tweet for him or something. Okay, it's out there somewhere. It's out there somewhere if you want to read it. But it was a it was just one of those. You know, thank you so much. For, uh, I'll always be a bulldog. All that good stuff. But the gist of it is, Kylan Hill will. Uh, forego his senior season or last year of eligibility, enter the NFL draft. But the big thing is he is going to play in the Music City Bowl. Yeah, and that's good news for Mississippi State against a, a Louisville team that is not a, a really good uh, rush defense. You want to have that uh, that uh, that guy out there. Um, and, of course, like I said, he's got some, you know, he's, he's very close to Anthony Dixon's single-season rushing record. I think he only needs just to, if he gets uh, if he gets to fourteen hundred yards, he'll be there. Dixon rushed for thirteen ninety two, uh, and Kylan said at thirteen forty seven uh, as we speak. Um, so good for him, you know, beloved player, uh, a guy that you know, like I said last year, you wish you could have seen more of. You got to really see the full package this year, um, and of course for Mississippi State now, <laughs> they they have some question marks offensively next season. When you look at that running back room and the wide receiver core. 
there's not a guy there that that you know defensive coordinators that are just going to be staying up at night worrying about. So they've got they're going to have to have some people who are either on the roster now or who are going to sign with this team in a few days make a, a big step forward in 2020. We get a text from the 662. I think you may have misheard Haydad at some point. He said, had multiple state fans tell me last week Hill would be back, and Haydad, uh, was this out of nowhere? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, we we expected this. No, no. Yeah, this was something. I, I, I thought I thought there was an opportunity for him to come back. I thought, you know, they would like for him to come back, obviously, and, and I thought that he might make that decision. But like we've been saying, you know, for running backs, your, your clock is just ticking, and you only have so much time. You know, Kylan Hill. I I don't know how old he is off the top of my head. I would imagine he's he's a true junior, so he's probably you know twenty twenty one years old. You've got about eight or nine years of earning potential as a running back. Once you hit thirty, that's when the the the, the sled just sort of falls apart. Um, so you know, if you in especially in terms of carries, looking ahead to next year, he was going to carry the ball on average twenty times the game. So you're talking you know two hundred and fifty two hundred and seventy five carries. That you could just get paid for to take. So it's the smart move for him. Uh, you know, to, he obviously, I don't think he went into it, you know, half cocked. I think he probably got good information. Uh, he probably talked to enough people that let him know, hey, you come out and you're going to have a, a spot and, 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 a, and a good contract waiting on you. And, uh, yeah, so he's, he's going to make that move. And we'll see where, where, you know, where it takes him and we'll see where it takes Mississippi State. Barring something crazy. Uh, he's going to break Mississippi State's rushing record. How should he be looked at historically at a school that, I mean, especially recently, has had great running backs? How should he be looked back on? Among he, he's them? in that tier. He's in that top tier of of with him and Dixon, Norwood, uh, Vic Ballard, and, and so on and so forth. Going back to Michael Davis and, and guys like that. Um, had he stayed as through senior year, he could have probably staked the claim as the greatest running back in Mississippi State history. As it is, he's in the he's in the group with the rest of them. Has had a better college career than Cam Akers. Yeah, very interesting. And Akers hasn't declared yet. I imagine he will. But at the end of the day, yeah, he had the better college career. We'll see what happens uh, in the pros. How about that? We get a question from Tracy the Mailman. We'll talk about that next uh in relation to kylan hill and cam dantzler something that i've been thinking about a lot lately so we'll get to that next thanks for your question tracy and uh we'll be right back at sports talk mississippi in the renaissance bank studio welcome back in on this thursday afternoon sports talk mississippi michael borky brian haydad brian scott rippey with you Tracy the Mailman asks if it's wise for Kylan Hill to play in the bowl game. It's funny you ask. The second I got into the office today, somebody that works here, a Mississippi State fan, uh, asked me, just point blank, you you know. I just want to point out that there are Mississippi State fans working in that office. I know that's a common narrative that there aren't. Oh, no, we're we're just an arm of the University of Mississippi. That's what what we are. That's what I hear. Oh, yeah. Uh, Totally. We are. Actively working against Mississippi State. That, that's what we do here. Um, fuel your paranoia any way you can. Um, but just ask me, you know, oh, I bet Cam Dantzler and Kylan Hill's decisions about the bowl game are uh, really firing people up today. And I thought about it for a little while, and right decision, wrong decision, people debate this really every year. I think I, I got a tweet to my personal Twitter last night, you know, asking me if, if we're going to do the debate again about players skipping bowl games because it's one that comes up every year. And the more I think about Kylan Hill playing in the bowl game, K. 
Cam Dantzler choosing not to. If this makes any sense at all, they both made the right decision. Because if you're Kylan Hill, you made a commitment to your football team. They have one more game on the schedule. And you feel like you need to play in that game to honor your commitment to your football team. And that's admirable. He's playing one final time. He promised his team this season. He's given his team this season. I think it's a great decision. It's admirable. Good, you know, good for the kid. That's awesome. But also, Cam Dantzler is not making a wrong decision either. I mean, he is potentially going to earn wealth. That'll change his children's children's life, potentially. And so who am I to question his character or anything or his commitment when he's faced with a very unique situation? Like, my wife is committed to me. I think she loves me dearly. I don't think that'll ever change. I mean, she is committed to me, but if John Krasinski walked in the room and asked her to go sailing on his yacht for the next six months, I don't think she's saying no to him. You know what I mean? Uh, Circumstances change situations, and I don't think Cam Dantzler's making a bad decision. In fact, I think he's making the right one. I think they're both making the right decision, even though they're exactly opposite of each other. As weird as that sounds, and it probably is an oxymoron, but there is nothing wrong with, in my opinion anyway, with either one's decision. One On one side, it's admirable, and he's carrying out his commitment. And on the other side, it's doing what you think is best to protect what could change your life financially on the other. Well, it's, it's their decision. That's the main thing to take away from this. Cam Dantzler feels like he's done enough. You know, he's, he's ready to move forward. Uh, that's his decision. You know, he has a small child to take care of. You know, he, he needs to be sure about what he's doing. So he's going to go ahead and go and start, you know, the preparations for the NFL draft. His decision. He gets to make it. Kylan Hill wants to play one more game. Maybe wants to break that record. Maybe wants to just have that one more moment. Whatever his, his motivation is, again, it is his decision, you know, and people getting upset about it. I mean, I don't get it. You know, you, you you get to make your own decisions in this life, when you, especially when you're a grown-up. And Kylan's made his decision, and Cam has made his, and you're exactly right, Michael Borky. They are both the right decision because they are their decisions. And we do get uh, asked, George from West Point asks, why is it anyone's business but theirs? Well, that's it, kind of kind of our jobs, man, is, is we kind of – like we've been talking about John Rice Plumley and should he play baseball, should he not. That's just kind of the nature of our business. But you're right, it – it's their call. I did see, though, uh, there was at least one Mississippi State player that didn't take too kindly to Dantzler skipping the bowl game. Yeah, Errol Thompson tweeted something about that, and, I mean, we have to make an assumption here, right, because he didn't say, hey, Cam, what's Connecting up some dots. Where we have to connect some dots. But, and, I mean, that again, you know, Errol is perfectly within his rights to be upset about that because he probably he probably wants to win I assume he wants to win the bowl game and Cam Dantzler is a big part of the defense and and you know you you were thinking gosh you know you just, we we just got our full defense back nobody everybody's here you know no more suspensions and now Dantzler's walking out the door so I again Daryl's fully within his rights to be upset if that's what he's upset about and I'm assuming that it was but you know Cam has to Cam Dantzler has to do what's best for Cam Dantzler at some point in his life. He's given MSU three years of free football. I mean, they, yeah, they, he, they pay for his education, but at the same time, you know, the university has made millions of dollars off of performances that he's made and his teammates, and now he's ready to go get his slice of the pie. So 
let him, you know, wish him well. And I, I, what kills me is the people who are like, well, he should have to pay back tuition, blah, blah, blah. Folks, I, I, I think you can feel the frustration here, Borky. Uh, this is a guy who potentially could be a multimillionaire, a guy who three, four years down the road could sign a contract for $40, $50, $60, 70000000 million. MSU wants a slice of that when it, the time comes. They're not going to tell him to pay back anything. You know, he, he's gone. Wish him well and hope that he's the next you know, big star in the NFL because, because that benefits MSU more than paying back the however much money in tuition uh, he would have been out this year. It's almost like you um, knew this was coming because the second you started mentioning that, we get a text here from Trip Dog. If he quits on his team, does he get to keep all of his scholarship? He's what scholarship? Le- he's leaving. I've never he's leaving. This, uh, I've never heard the give payback tuition take. That is a massive take, Quake. I'm all in on this. Yeah. I mean, what scholarship? He's gone. He doesn't have a scholarship anymore. He's he's left. He took his finals and he walked out the door. I don't even know if he took his finals. I think he should have to run stadiums during the game <laughs> back in Starkville. And then we because get millennials are soft. We get another one from the six six two. It's called loyalty to a school that paid for his education to get him to this point. And look, I completely understand where you're coming from. Kylan Hill is fulfilling that loyalty, but I didn't know Cam Dantzler's family situation. Hey, Dad said he's got a small child. Yeah. I. I am older than Cam Dantzler. Not by much, but I'm older than Cam Dantzler, and I have a job that's paid me a, a, a money, paid me money for five years now. And I am still in a terrible financial situation to have this kid. I, nobody ever, unless you're a multimillionaire, is financially prepared to have children, as I have come to learn. They're extremely yeah. expensive. And they shape the way you make decisions. And so... With all due respect, he has a much greater loyalty to that child than he does Mississippi State. Or just to Kim Dancer is also getting to this point more than likely and not whether he went to state or not because he's good at football. Yeah, he could have gone anywhere. And like I said, he 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 did enough. One game's not going to kill anything. It'll be all well, right. And you talk about having a small kid or whatever. Like, what was it, Jalen Smith? Did was that the Notre Dame guy? Yeah. So yeah, he tore his, I mean, he yeah, he, he turned out fine, but he did cost himself a couple of million in a, in his first contract, if I'm not mistaken. And, and what people miss, Rippy, is people say, "Well, he got a second contract that was huge, and that's great." But there's no getting back the millions he lost. And there was always never a guarantee of a second contract, right? Like right. it worked out, but it, it, that wasn't a guarantee. Some folks were saying, you know, he oh he's not going to be a high enough draft choice. You know, I've seen a lot of third round mocks. There were, he was right at the number 10 quarter, corner in the draft yesterday by Dane Brugler. The number 10 corner in the draft last year signed a four-year deal worth about uh, $5 million with an $850,000 signing bonus. Would you skip a day of work to get that kind of money guaranteed to you? Yes, you would. It's life-altering. Uh, Tracy the Mailman says, follow-up question, does a poor performance, talking about Kylan Hill, uh, hurt his draft status? I, I would no. say no. Just one game. Barring... Knock on wood, uh, barring catastrophic injury. That's the only right, right. way that this can hurt. That's his not. Draft that's not a poor performance. That's an injury. I mean, if he goes out there and he only rushes for seventeen yards on thirteen carries, it's all about the totality of your season, and it's also about what you do in drills and in in, in the combine and things like that. 
That no, nobody's just going to look at just one game. If, if they did that, people with no, Leonard Fournette wouldn't have gotten drafted high because he had a terrible game against Alabama, which is probably the best defense he played all year. But no, no they, they, they look at everything. They're not just looking at one game. Preston Fulton says, if I had a chance, I would not play either to protect my body. It's the kid's choice, his future. From the, the flip side of that, the I the the odds of you getting like with the Kylan Hill thing, the odds of him getting like injured, not I mean, knock not knock on wood, but like hopefully he's not injured, but like the odds of that are still very small. Right, right. Because right. remember, this turned into a whole ridiculous thing with Zion Williamson, where he blew out his shoe, tweaked an ankle, and people were talking about how he sh- like he'd be a fool to step on a college court again. It's just like whatever you prefer. Dude wants to go play one more time, or he doesn't. Either way, it's fine. He this still great, has yet to play a single here. minute of NBA basketball, by the way. That's true. He hurt me. Nike stock. <laughs> great text from the 901. This, this person's a teacher and said a lot of her students get scholarships for academics. A lot of times they don't finish school. They quit to get a job. Nobody says anything about them. You know, kid is on an academic scholarship just decides one day, hey, I'm ready to hit the real world, start making money. Nobody cares about that. But They also can have jobs pleasure, while they're on – that's true. That, that, that's a whole different story. But when it affects your, your viewing pleasure, then it's a big problem. A couple more of your texts, and then we'll turn the page over to this Music City Bowl, the game itself. What does it mean for Joe Moorhead and Mississippi State? Is it more meaningful this year than usual? We'll discuss that next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. I got an angry email because of this song a couple years ago. I get why. Yeah, you hear that opening line? Yeah, yeah I, mean, I know that. I know that song. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there there are you know children listening. Yeah, so I don't know if you picked up on it, Rippy, but um, a listener don't, don't ruin it for. Don't hate. Hey, I'm not going to. For, I'm not going to point. I'm not going to point it for out. Rippy, he still, he still <laughs> believes. This I didn't pick the, the the chimney with care. Oh, did the wait? Did the first line ruin Santa? Yes. Hey, hey, with that, with you people. What's wrong with y'all? Um, and a couple of years ago, I got an email from a listener, and man was hot. And as I understand it, he still listens to this day, because I've seen a similar name and a similar location pop up on the text line, so we didn't lose him because of this. But, buddy, he was hot because he had his two kids in the car, and I played that song, which is a common Christmas song that people know. And his kids were still at the age where they... You know, and hey, hey, I, with that, I, I stopped myself. Where, where you know, all of y'all, but they are old enough and smart enough to like put one and two together, and they put one and two together. I don't know. And don't he know was, I don't know what you're talking about, Morky. I don't have a clue. Oh, he was furious. I mean, I got called some things. We had a guy last year. Some we were talking about like some kind of arrest or something, and so one of us made a cocaine reference. And we had a guy get on oh, that yeah. and say, take it easy at his young child in the back. He was like, if Junior in the car seat's picking up on cocaine references, there's probably a bigger issue on our hands here, <laughs> I would think. Uh, I get- that, said, that said, that song was just recently covered by Chris Jericho, and it is fantastic. Ooh. I got it on my Spotify. Need to find that version and put it up yeah, here. Good. But uh, I also got, well, it was really just a tweet. It wasn't an angry email this time, but uh, you may remember I told the story about how my dog caught a bird in midair. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever, but unfortunately, uh, the the bird didn't make it because my dog caught him out of midair. And I had a listener tweet at me and say, my wife and I will not be listening to your show until the pain of hearing the story about the bird dying leaves her memory. 
There are plenty of birds to replace that bird. Don't worry. I mean, he's a bird dog. What do you want me to do? I I can't help it. I've tried to... I can't get that out of him. It's instinctual. But, yeah, listener was mad about that as uh, as well. So, back on the conversation, Trip in Cleveland says, I guess if I go to college on an academic scholarship and transfer my junior year to a different school that I think might be a better step, I have to pay the full tuition bill for the first school? Yeah, see, that... Uh, that argument just does not add up, and uh, thanks for, for listening. Brian in Clarksdale says, Do you guys think some coaches take their teams to bowl games and just really want to enjoy the moment and don't really care if they win? That's a good jumping-off point. Because I have a feeling you would survey most coaches about what's the most important thing about going to a bowl game, and their answer will be the 15 practices. The Absolutely. outcome of the game is, unless you're in the playoff, the outcome of the game largely is not important. It's a little bit different for like Will Healy at UNC Charlotte because this is their first bowl game. So winning that would be incredible. But by and large, circumstances across the board here. Right. You know who's never won a bowl game as a head coach? Mike Norvell. He's doing okay. Has he really not? Zero and three. How about that? See, I had so, no idea. Yes, I didn't even practices. Th- didn't even think about it. But this year, is it different for Mississippi State? We asked, we tossed this around a little bit yesterday, but it's more applicable now because we've got Haydad back. Even after the Egg Bowl win, there's still, is it fair to say, some divide uh, among Mississippi State fans on the current direction of their program? Of course, everybody's happy they win the Egg Bowl, but for a lot of people that I interact with, it's just simply not enough. And now you've got some momentum, and it's all superficial because until Lane Kiffin coaches games and wins or loses games, this is all superficial, but there is momentum, as there are with most coaching changes in Oxford. So is this bowl game, the Music City Bowl, and getting a win more important than a typical bowl game, and Mississippi State's been to 10 in the last 10 years? Is this important to get a win here, or is that overthinking the current situation? No, it's important. It's important for Mississippi State for for a couple of reasons. One, you sort of mentioned with Lane Kiffin showing up, you know, there's some there's some cachet, there's some some momentum in Oxford right now. You want to quell that as much as you possibly can if you're Joe Moorhead. So winning the bowl game would certainly do that. You want to finish with a winning record too. I, I don't think you want to finish six and seven. But more importantly, if you look at last year, sort of a uh, that bowl game was sort of a, a jumping off point. I think Moorhead had a lot of support after the Egg Bowl last year. He won convincingly in Oxford, and you know he had the, the, the confrontation on the field. He, he calls one of the Ole Miss ADs, you know, what he called him. He makes him, takes another couple more shots in the, uh, in the press conference. I think everybody was sort of, even the people who weren't completely bought in were at least like, okay, that was good, you know, and I'm, I'm going to support him. And then you just throw up that, that egg in the, in, the, in the bowl game. And it was just, I mean, We've we've talked about the twelve touchdown stat before, but but the the Outback Bowl, Iowa rushed for negative thirteen yards and one. Now that seems physically impossible, but that's what happened in that game. Mississippi State's and defensive line was so incredible that day. they were dominant in that game. They should have they should have walked out of that game with the win. It should have been an easy victory, but it wasn't because the offense, the 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 familiar bugaboos happened again, and. I think this a year lot was the jump. unpreparedness, wasn't it? More so than anything else. Well, I think that sort of that happened in, in in Tampa last year. The team just didn't look prepared and didn't look like they had a game plan. You saw a lot of you know not getting the ball into Aris Williams and Kylan Hills, sort of the same thing. And yeah, that that but that moment 
that was he lost a lot of support there. I think he. I don't think he can get it all back. I think a lot of people are going to wait and see for next year because I don't know how MSU is going to be better offensively, but they better be. But you can at least go through the off season, you know, with a sigh of relief with a, with a win uh, in Nashville. You, you finish seven and six. You finish the year. You know, this sounds you know bad because the team you play, but you finish the year winning four of your last five. And uh, is that right? Yeah, four of your last five, three games in a row. You got some positive momentum there. It looks like the early signing period is going to be good for Mississippi State. I think most of that class is going to sign on the dotted line for uh, on you know I guess that's a week from uh, from yesterday. So you have some positive momentum going into the uh, to the offseason. But if you lose that game, it's just all the issues you've had. And you mentioned preparation, uh, Rippy. You think about state after bye weeks this year. They went up to Tennessee and lost and looked terrible. They were completely dominated by Alabama, who, we, as we saw, wasn't as good as they looked in Starkville. There's some the concern that, you know, hey, Joe Moorhead with time to prepare is not a good thing. So they, they need to get that win. We had a text from the 662, big fan of yours, hey, Dad. He said he misses you. That's all we got from hey. uh, from our friend there. But he didn't Thank spell you. your name right. That's all right. It's okay. People mis- misspelling and mispronouncing that game, that name. For, for a long, long time. Rippy, people still you. spell Michael incorrectly. Really? I get, uh, when I was, particularly when I was the sports editor of the school newspaper, I used to get brain a lot. <laughs> I, I've gotten brain a lot. Today, I went and bought my wife a, a gift. She's not listening, so I don't have to worry about spoiling it. She knows it's coming anyway. I went and bought her like this pedicure package at the, one of the local salons. And she's like, do you want your name on the card? I was like, yeah. And and she starts writing my what's your name Brian and I I turn my head for two seconds and I turn it back and there's a Y in there and I'm like oh ah like no that's not but it, I didn't care at that point. Uh, Matt here uh, says so the day that a player who is in the playoff picture decides to sit out with a world implode on itself I'd be surprised if that ever happens that, and, unless he's been happen. injury prone and is like you know. He had a high ankle sprain, and they said four to six weeks, and it's week number five, and maybe then. But that's – I don't expect that to happen. These guys oh, still yeah. want to play and win, but the Liberty Bowl is extremely different than the college football playoff. And we probably would have seen it by now. Yeah. We get a text from the 662, cats kill up to three billion birds annually. <laughs> See, that's the kind of contribution we should get more often from the text line. Thanks, Chief. <laughs> Dogs are getting a bad rap. Cats kill birds all the time. Learn something new every day. Jamie C. in Oxford says, yes, Joe started losing the fan base after losing to Iowa, as Haydad mentioned. So imagine how much yeah. warmer the seat will be if he loses to Louisville. He in needs the to win. He really needs to win. He needs, a, he needs to get that win. Jeff and Grenada asks what you think, Haydad, about the no cowbells in Nashville. It's interesting, you know, because every bowl game state has been to, as far back as I can remember, has not only allowed cowbells but have embraced them. Um, and to find out you can't take them to Nashville, I get that that's very disappointing. Uh, I'm, I've never been a big take your cowbell on the road kind of guy, but I get why people do it, you know. Um, but that said, I mean, good luck getting the Department of Homeland Security to change a policy in uh, how many days? In 16 days. Yeah. When, especially when the government's probably off work for, you know, four of them. Friend of the show, Bulldog Graphics, I think you... Look, I've never taken my cowbell on the road. I just got one a few weeks ago. So, um, But he made the good... <laughs> he, he made the good point that a lot of people, like, they have their cowbell that they've had for years, and it, it, it really means something to you. 
yeah. don't try to take it because they will take it from you and they will not give it back to you. So if you have yeah. one that you care about, don't try because don't, don't you're never your getting family it back. Air- doesn't matter if it's a cowbell or not. Don't take your family heirlooms on the road. Whatever it is, a plate, grandma's fine china, just just leave it at home. Once your text came in on this uh, Mississippi State bowl game, bowl game thing, we'll get to that, as well as the Pearl River Resort pick of the day. That's all coming on Sports Talk Mississippi and the Renaissance Bank Studio. The moon is right. Welcome back into Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, Brian Haydad with you. Julian Tupelo, by the way, is a uh, reference to something a little bit earlier. It says, quit playing the song. If you don't believe, you don't receive. I still believe. Whatever. Hope your son's not listening. What are you talking about? What are these things? I don't get what y'all are talking about. I, 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 am, I, am, I am perplexed. Brian from Charleston says Moorhead has no flexibility in his game plan. It's his way or no way. Looks that way a lot of times. I heard somebody yesterday, um, national radio host, say that Kellen Moore is good on a script. That the Cowboys' opening drive of a game is a really good one that they're prepared to start football games. It's when the game goes off script is when you start seeing his inexperience and Jason Garrett's just lack of quality coaching come into play, and that's why the Cowboys are getting beat. The The craziest thing with Mississippi State and Joe Moorhead is he's got a track record that shows you that he is an offensive mind that is a, a very good one. The script isn't even good, though. The starting of the games right. is what's such a problem. And I, I was wondering where you were going with that. I was like, because that's not the case yeah. in Mississippi State. Yeah. So even the the be opening script of games, like you saw it in the Ohio State Michigan game. Jim Harbaugh is a good football coach. Like I make fun of him all the time. But Michigan had a brilliant opening drive. And then once the game got off a of script, Ohio State was significantly better coached and had more talent than them but the script was good because they are they do have a good football coach a prepared team to start that game but they weren't as good as Ohio State so they got beat even in the Egg Bowl Mississippi State just did not start well right away now the first quarter what they have a seven nothing lead yeah but they were three and out on their first two possessions including one that right. came after a turnover where you'd really like to get some momentum the script is has never been started well and maybe he doesn't even operate that way but that is such a a glaring issue that if that gets fixed this year's record is different yeah yeah they, they they've i want to i went into a lot greater detail on this on the podcast but there are so many questions for mississippi state right now offensively going into 2020 you know they just they don't have a lot of skill position talent, it appears, beyond Garrett Schrader. And I don't know that you know he's enough to elevate those guys to that point. So unless somebody like Malik Heath or Jaquavius Marks comes in and they are an impact guy from, from day one, you know, the biggest issue for Moorhead of improving the offense is still gonna be there. They got they got they I don't know how they're gonna figure that out. But they've got to figure that out. I have to imagine State is going to hit the transfer market and try to find another running back and maybe another a receiver 
to, to try to get something going there. At least there's no uncertainty at the quarterback position. Well, you say that, and I mean, that's that was the crux of today's podcast was, yeah, Schrader is there for sure, but who's backing him up? If 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 Thompson, you know, I would imagine Keaton Thompson's going to transfer. I don't know about Jalen Maiden. He might stay, but if he goes, you go into next season with true sophomore Garrett Schrader and true freshman Will Rogers, and that's it. Uh, Rippy, this is a question for you uh, from Sandra and Clinton. Is Ole Miss paying Wayne Kiffin's buyout? I would assume some of it. I don't know the answer to that. We'll dig on it. They, they do work the they kind of work those things out, but Lane Kiffin's FAU buyout is uh significantly less than if he was uh the coach at Florida State, for example. Casey yeah. is asking you, hey dad, is uh did Mississippi State have cowbells in twenty eleven? The answer is yes, isn't it? Yeah, the the, the the stadium has just changed owners. You know, I, I don't Rippy, you're a Titans fan. What was that stadium called before it was Nissan Stadium? Ooh. I don't remember. Was it LP Field? That's exactly yeah, what it was. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Okay. I think since they have changed ownership, they have changed some of the rules and regulations of the stadium. And in, in doing so, this has come up. But yes, in twenty eleven they were allowed. And this like I said, this is the first bowl game that I can remember that Cowbells were not only encouraged, but they were embraced. This is the first one that's not. From the six oh one. Mississippi State played the third toughest schedule in the country with three of their best defensive players only playing one game together. They had a revolving door at quarterback due to injury, but the, that offense needs to show progress. Yep, that, that is... State could go 6-6 six and six next year, and more it could be completely safe if... If it's not, you're not losing games because you can only score ten points. He can find a way to start losing games. Not even have to win. Just lose thirty-eight to thirty-five. People would be a lot more excited than they are right now. A few more of your texts to get to. We'll do that and then turn the page over to looking at what oddsmakers think about Mississippi State and the rest of the SEC's bowl game. And I've got an NFL story for you that I just love, involving Drew Locke and uh, a scorned lover. So we'll get to that. All coming up in the 5 o'clock hour at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. We'll start the uh, 5 o'clock hour here on this Thursday afternoon with uh, a little bit of breaking news. In Sports Talk Mississippi, I'm Michael Bork. you got Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippey with you. And uh, if you've been listening to us all day long, we hinted at this at the very beginning of the show, but Ole Miss has now just made it official, Rippy. Three new uh, staff hires, one of which we knew for sure was happening. Uh, another one was pretty clear that it was going to happen. And then the third, uh, there was talk, especially yesterday, the day before, into last night, this morning, that this was all but official. And, and Ole Miss now has a strength coach, an assistant coach. They haven't specified the exact title and now an offensive coordinator. Yeah, sure. I mean, well, Wilson Love and Kevin Smith were at his intro presser. Yeah, that was, I mean, done right away. And then he's hired Jeff Lebby as his offensive coordinator, somebody he had zeroed in on in the last 48 hours and has now become official, and they added the other two onto the release as well, I guess, to make it technically official because you hadn't ever actually heard anything from Ole Miss on it. So so inbox drop in at 5 o'clock on a Thursday. Yeah, how about that? And, uh, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, Kiffin's the primary play caller, right? So Lebby's 
duties will, of course, I mean, they're involved in the game plan, even if you're not the play caller as the offensive coordinator in a setup like the one that they'll have. But uh, his job is mostly quarterbacks, right? Yes, I would assume that would be his role. But again, I I don't know that exactly. It would be interesting to kind of hear that dynamic from Lane at some point. They'll have some kind of press conference in the near future once the staff is rounded out. I imagine that's not going to happen until at the earliest after early signing period, which is next Tuesday, next Wednesday? Wednesday, yeah. Week from yesterday. Week from yesterday. And so at the earliest it'll happen probably sometime after that. These guys are going to hit the road recruiting. They probably, I mean, they have been already recruiting, uh, but now that they've gone official, that's where you're likely going to see them instead of uh, answering questions from idiots like Rippy at a press conference uh, when they could be on the road recruiting. So that's gone official. We did get a, a question uh, a few minutes ago asking for job vacancy news at Ole Miss, so that's the most recent update that they have given you from official capacity does not sound like Lane Kiffin's in any kind of a hurry to round out that staff before the early signing period. At this point, you just kind of have to concede the early period, try to round out your class, keep the guys that were currently committed, committed, and then hit the ground running for the February signing period. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what is happening. No reason to rush. If that name Kevin Smith is familiar to anybody, by the way, he played uh, in the NFL for the Detroit Lions and played at Central Florida. Uh, as a, he was the uh, he broke Barry Sanders' uh, single season rushing record down there. We'll go back to a few texts and then uh, catch up to our regularly scheduled programming. Lee and Starkville says he believes the defenses in the SEC are too fast for Joe Moorhead's offense. Um, I mean, there, there's something to that because. It's predicated on making so many decisions in such a short period of time. And at the end of the day, you know, in the Big Ten, how many uh, defenses have that kind of talent? One. The answer to that is one. It's Ohio State. And that's the defense that Moorhead struggled against the most up there. Um, But that said, State has been so poor at receiver the past couple years. I mean, you think about Osiris Mitchell, who's State's best receiver, I would say. Or Dedrick Thomas, either one. Good players, you know, for Mississippi State. But think about... Alabama and LSU's receiving core, and these guys would be like the fifth or sixth guy off the bench. You know, they're just, they're just not. It's just not the same. The talent's just not there. So until State gets better at receiver, it's going to be hard to judge Morehead. The problem is, you're going to judge Morehead at the end of the season, right or wrong. And if he's not any better, he's he's probably going to be moving on. A question uh, from Jeff on fifty fives. He's asking if LSU's script coaching or just athletes all over the field it's a combination of both but um i mean joe brady is not regarded as one of the best young offensive minds in football uh just because he's got athletes at lsu i mean he was sean payton's passing game coordinator and you've seen what that saints team has been able to do and even though they are extremely talented it still is the nfl where your guys may be better than your opponents on some games, but largely everybody's kind of playing on a level playing field. And the Saints offense, as all of you know, has been extremely explosive, and he was a part of that. So LSU's new offensive identity, I mean, they've always had players all over the field. Les Miles had teams that lost four games that had Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham on the field. I mean, talent has never been their issue. It's they, they finally now have a guy in place that can exploit that talent for all of its ability. And, and that is 
Joe Brady. And I'm sure they have a script. Most people, in some way or another, especially in the NFL, have the first couple of drives scripted in some way. Pre-planned plays, hey, in this situation, we're going to run this, 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 and this. And then the script ends, and then you have to call the game as it's happening. Considering how good LSU's offense has been at all points of the season, in every quarter of the season, in every game they've played, it's they're not just good on the script. They are just good, always. I mean, you're not wrong. Like you said, and this has been the, the moment that we sort of either you've been waiting for as an LSU fan or if you're not an LSU fan, you've been dreading. We've, we, I, 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 it's been the last 20 years. We, the, when LSU finally figures it out offensively, man, who's going to beat them? I don't think they're going anywhere. I, I think you know people are oh, well, when Burrow goes, okay, well, A, and I'll stick to this until the day I die, Burrow was not that good last year. And then B, it's not like LSU's not going to have five-star quarterbacks lining up by the, <laughs> every class now. Everybody's going to want to go play there if they're going to run this kind of offense. No, every that that's what LSU's been lacking. They, they you know they they try to get remember Gunnar Keel committed there and then he 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 you know his, obviously his college career didn't pan out. But they've never been able to get that four or five star can't miss kind of prospect at quarterback. Now they will. I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. Jeff and Grenada asks who's going to play quarterback at the Music City Bowl? Is it Trader or is it Tommy Stevens? That's a really good question. You know, I actually spoke to Stevens on the field after the Egg Bowl, and I more or less just – I didn't even think about the bowl game. I was just like, hey, it's been a pleasure to cover you. You're a good kid. You know, good luck. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I got one more. And I was like, oh, yeah, you do have one more. And I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that right now. We talked to Joe Moorhead uh, Friday, tomorrow night. Uh, hopefully we can get some clarity on that. If you said make my prediction, I would say Schrader. But I have been wrong going back and forth on that all season long. I won't be completely surprised if Tommy Stevens starts if he's fully healthy, which I expect him to be. If they do go with Schrader, those 15 practices and starting uh, would be a big deal for him going into next season when, uh, I mean, they've got, we can call it a walkthrough, it's New Mexico to open the season. Uh, But then he's got a game at NC State as a starter on the road in Raleigh. I mean, they weren't very good this year, but it was a young team that had some injuries. A very good test area. How far is that from Charlotte? Uh, it's a bit of a drive. You would probably right? okay. have to fly into Raleigh. No, 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 no. How far is from Charlotte to Raleigh? It's a couple hours, if I remember correctly. I mean, Charlotte is is Garrett Trader's hometown, so you're talking about you. Not only is that a big game, but you're talking about he's probably gonna have a big group of his people there. So yeah, yeah, these I was practices right. are, are are key key for Mississippi State. And and the good news is all these kids that they're expecting to sign on. Wednesday in the early signing period, namely guys like Will Rogers, Jaquavius Marks, Dylan Johnson, uh, they're going to get to practice for these bowl practices. So you, you get an extra two weeks with your true freshmen so that when they start spring practice, it's not completely new to them. Oh, this is this is funny. Uh-oh. From Matt Smith, he says, Hypothetically, before the Egg Bowl this past year, somebody goes up to both John Cohen and Keith Carter and says, Whoever loses this game gets lame Kiffin. Who forfeits faster? <laughs> uh, I'm still going to go with Ole Miss on this one. Knowing what I know of, of John Cohen, I don't think he and Kiffin would be a good fit together. Kiffin's a good coach. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's not. 
Yeah, I'm saying from a personality standpoint, I don't see him and Cohen jibing real well. That's fair. Steven asks who Kiffin was recruiting in Starkville today. So um, we don't know for sure. Uh, we, all we have to go by is his picture, but... Uh, no, no, we, we actually do know because uh, somebody tweeted a picture. He, was, he oh, didn't actually did. recruit in Starkville. He went Columbus. down to Louisville. No, Louisville. And met with a couple of prospects down there from what I was told. Don't they have a commit in Columbus as well? Maybe Ole you, Miss? I, I think so. I don't know if they that was, Rippy would know more than me. I, they, I think they have one in Louisville, though. Okay. For well, sure. yeah, I could be wrong. He was um, nobody he in Starkville. Starkville. You know what's funny? And this will probably rile up some people here in, in Starkville, but uh, Starkville High School's coach, Chris Jones, uh, tweeted at Kiffin's like, hey, stop by next time. we got some players. <laughs> uh, that's, that's not going to go over real well, but we'll see where it takes us. Oh, man. Uh, I've, got, I've got a crutch. It got pointed you know, out the, to me. The Columbus kid is Acker, the offensive lineman, is it not? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. From Heritage Academy. Oh, I wonder if he played J.A. Jeez, oh, probably the toughest defensive line he went against all year. <laughs> uh, from the six six two, I love when Borky hosts, but we could have played a turn the page drinking game today. Yeah, I've I've <laughs> developed a crutch, as it turns out. We're going to turn the page next to uh, some more page turning, and so after the break, we'll turn the page. And uh, maybe sing some Bob Seger as well. I was about to say, Borky, if you don't put that in there for the next break, come on. We'll be right back at Sports Talk Mississippi. Tyler and Brandon said Seager or I turned the station. Well, ah, it's so great. Hope, uh, hope you stayed around for Don't this cave one. to the mob. No, no, you can cave when it's Bob Seager. Yeah. The One of America's, maybe maybe America's most underrated singer. I, I'm putting that up there. And songwriter. And fantastic. Performer. Is, there, is there a bad Bob Seger song? I have heard is, one. I want, I want to know what it is. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. We get a question here from the 662. Seriously, people are saying Mississippi State's schedule is easier next year? How? Um, I... Uh, it's 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 easier. It's easier on think, the front I, end, and I think well, the I think home North, games North are more winnable. North Carolina State is an easier game than Kansas State, I think, even though it's on the road. Uh, at Missouri at home is easier than at Tennessee. Um, you get uh, you get your toss up games, and I I, I I I do this every year. When State has Alabama and LSU, those are games that you just sort of automatically think they're going to lose nine times out of ten. So. Where you play them is irrelevant. Whereas Auburn, Arkansas, and AM, playing them at home is a boost. You got a better chance to win those games at home. So, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, and just, I mean, New Mexico versus Louisiana. Louisiana won 10 games this year. Uh, who's the other? Tulane versus USM. That's sort of a toss up. And then you have your FCS school. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, state schedule is definitely going to be a little bit easier. But at the end of the day, you're in the SEC. You know, easy is sort of relative. Jamie in Oxford says uh, Columbus beat J.A. this year. Rippy, sorry. Heritage. Heritage Academy. What a shame. Oh, Heritage beat uh, J.A. So, uh, sorry, man. Tough news. (laughs) Uh, Complete non sequitur. 11 Stanford players are in the transfer portal right now. There's 19 from UConn. They need to drop down a level. They need to drop down a level. Stanford, well, they're independent now because their basketball program is going to the Big East, right? 
Right, right. So they were going to find Syracuse, something to do with football anyway. That'll rekindle a lot of old-fashioned Big East rivalries outside, I guess, Syracuse. I agree. David says, uh, J.A. and Prep both missed the big dance this year. Poor Preppy Jackson, boys. Yeah. Burn, Rippy. Tough Burn. day for Eastover. <laughs> <laughs> there, y'all are too young, way too young. But there used to be this radio station in Jackson that did a uh, parody of Christmas in Dixie called Christmas in Eastover. And I, I would oh, pay I would pay money to be able to hear that again. It was hilarious. <laughs> Uh, I thought Prep made it and lost to MRA. Prep? Yeah, that seems right, but I don't know. I, I would go grab Steven, but he's off for the next couple of days. He would be able to tell me. From the 601, where do you think McKinley Jackson from George County might fall now with Kiffin at the helm? Do you guys have any idea? Everything I've read about him, I mean, Ole Miss is definitely in the, in the, the hunt, but he looks like he's he's going to head out of state. But you never know. You never know. I, I, if I had to pick South Mississippi, call me crazy, but LSU makes a lot of sense. Spencer Brookhaven's asking me for a Blackberry Smoke Christmas song. Um, if you, I didn't know they did that. If you've got one, uh, send it to us on the text line. Uh, YouTube link would be most preferable, and I'll get that in the system for you. Uh, really glad you're listening. Thanks for the kind words, man. Oh, you'll get and, his uh, music in, but I sent you like two hours of WWE music, and it's, well, I'm still waiting. Well, see, there's the... There's the difference. Two hours of music means like six hours of loading for me. If I, if I tell you like the two that I want, would you do that? Yes. Yes. Okay. We'll make I that will happen. do that. All right. Sounds good. Cody in Guntown is asking uh, if we've talked about the Kiffin and Freeze meeting. I don't think we have. So a picture floated out on social media. <laughs> Credit Bunky Turk, Perkins' brother. As always, Scoops Perkins. Um, a picture floated around of a poorly covered private room at a local o- Oxford restaurant of Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze. I guess this was Monday night um, in the same dining area, presumably at the same table, uh, at, in the same restaurant. And, of course, stuff started flying all over the place. But, no, I don't think we talked about it here. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to write this story at the same time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. At least it wasn't at Funky's. I don't really have much to add. <laughs> there are far worse places it could have been than Funky's. I will just go ahead and say that. I don't know if those places are in Oxford or not, but they exist. Isn't the story uh, that as one was walking in, one was walking out, so they... Because they, don't forget, Kiffin's brother was on Hugh Freeze's staff. They know each other. And yeah. this, I mean, as, as I'm told... Uh, who knows how true it is one was walking in one was walking out they said hey sat down for a minute and then freeze was the one that left but they weren't there as far as i'm told whoever knows if it's true or not but it wasn't like they were meeting to discuss job potential it was like they just both happened to go to the same place at the same time and you can believe that if you'd like a friend of mine told me this story once and he lived when he was going to college he worked for a a car wash here in startville and one day he was working, and Coach Kroom shows up, not long after he was hired. And, you know, he's dropping off his car to be washed and detailed and everything. And then about 60 seconds after that, another SUV pulls in, and it's Coach Cheryl. And Cheryl gets out of the car, looks and sees Kroom, and just says, get in. 
crew got in the car and they drove off and they came back like an hour later and Cheryl got his car taken care of and Crooms was done and God only knows what they talked about but it happened uh John's asking what's the deal with JA that's uh where wait you're a prep guy or are you a JA guy how dare you J-A. do that to him? yeah come on hey dad knows I don't man it's all the same oh you gonna get? We're gonna lose sponsors saying things well, like yeah, that. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, so uh, the Rebel Report, Joey Freshwater podcast now is an opening for a co-host. If anybody out there wants to join, <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Every time you drive by that brick wall on uh, the beautiful Jackson Academy campus, I spent my freshman year summer of college constructing that wall. Trump should call you. Yeah, not to brag. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have much to add to that. <laughs> um, Cody's asking if Freeze could be recruited back to the Ole Miss staff. No, I, I Hugh Freeze will never coach at Ole Miss again. Hey, that's whoa, whoa, never whoa, say whoa, never. whoa, whoa! Never, never say, say never, never pal. World. We got a long time left in this life. Yeah, well, as long as I'm alive, he's not. I mean, that's there's no way that happens. I want to make like a Cartman kind of bet with you, where you're like, you have to come over and like, you know. Like lick the street or something if, if you're wrong. <laughs> not, not I don't want money. I want humiliation if you're wrong. Um, but the answer to that, honestly, it's no. Um, he is gonna going to or has already agreed to a, a contract extension, and uh, Jerry Falwell is going to pay him uh, handsomely to keep him there for as long as possible. And I mean, maybe I'm cynical. I just the next big time job is not going to come from Ole Miss and I suspect it's going to end in a similar fashion. Uh, not pretty. And that will end the prospects of one Hugh Freeze. That's just my hypothesis. You may disagree. I know there are some Ole Miss fans that still just love the guy. Um, yeah. Uh, People all over this great country of ours that, that love Hugh Freeze. Hey, it's a free country. You can love who you or, want you know, to. They, they may have been paid to love him, but either way. Oh, oh. We'll turn yeah. the page. Uh, Georgia turn the page! I did that on purpose because George at West Point says maybe the next song like that, play Metallica. Turn the page, same song. That's what I requested. Different I requested group. Metallica. It's not the system. I might upload it, though, just because I have a newfound crutch. You'll probably notice that most radio people have one. I mean, the good ones don't. Like, Dan Patrick have doesn't have one. Um, I've got several. A lot of them. I mean... A ton of them, and now I have a new one. Turn the page. So that's great. With that. All right. So lines, bowl game lines. This is something I wanted to do. Uh, Mississippi State. We'll start with them because naturally they are a three and a half point favorite over Louisville in the Music City Bowl, and it it just kind of hit me that the last time Mississippi State and Louisville met in a bowl game, um, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, the guy that's taking the NFL by storm, looked. Awful in that bowl Four game. Four picks. Four picks. Four picks. Three of them by Mark McLaurin, one by Cam Dantzler. So those guys are gone at least. And, of course, so is Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah, and I mean, yeah, that's, that's the game. You know, Mullen didn't coach, nor did Moorhead. That's the Greg Knox era at Mississippi State. 1-0. MSU's all-time winningest coach by percentage. Uh, they should yeah. put a plaque somewhere for that, just for fun. They should put a statue up. Are you kidding me? The guy was 1-0. How hilarious would that be? Mullen, no, no statue for Mullen. The Greg Knox statue. Goodness. <laughs> we'll give you some more of those lines here coming up. And uh, 
I will not forget to give you my favorite NFL storyline of the year. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep the text coming. 601-879-4395. Be a part of the show this afternoon on the C Spire text line. But don't text and drive. Do so safely. Do it using your voice text feature. It gets funnier that way. We'll be right back at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. few more lines to get to, and then I'll turn back to your text. Playoff games. Kind of surprising. Clemson's a two-point favorite currently over Ohio State. Vegas loves Clemson. Been playing really good ball lately against a bunch of nobodies, but still. Been a cover machine for the last month and a half of the season. Oklahoma, a 13-point underdog against LSU. I feel like that's a little low. Um, I don't know whether it's... I saw what LSU's defense was able to do against Georgia, even though I haven't believed in Georgia offensively and Jake Fromm and company all season long. DeAndre Swift only got a couple of carries because he was still injured, but for some reason that feels like proof that there were three teams and a big gap between everybody else. Yeah, I agree. But here's the other thing, though, is Oklahoma's offense is really, really good, and they could light it up. You know, not that I don't think they can keep up, but they could... I mean, if they, if I told what was the spread thirteen and a half? You said thirteen. If, if I said LSU won forty two thirty, you're not overly shocked, are you? Nope. Yeah. Georgia's a seven point favorite over Baylor in the Sugar Bowl. Michigan's a seven point dog to Alabama in the Citrus. Auburn's a seven and a half point favorite over Minnesota. You've got Kentucky and Virginia Tech, which could be interesting. Virginia Tech, two and a half point favorite in that one. In the sleepiest access bowl that you can imagine, Florida is a 14-point favorite over Virginia in the Orange Bowl. Memphis, just a 7-point dog to Penn State in the Cotton Bowl. And Oklahoma State, a 7-point favorite over, or excuse me, 7-point underdog against Texas A&M in the Texas Bowl. Any of those stand out to you guys at all? That last one. I might. Oklahoma State, A&M, you know, I don't. I don't. I don't care for a And M. They're they're just not good. I could I could see that being closer than that. I could see Oklahoma. What State is Oklahoma winning. State's quarterback situation? Didn't they play Bedlam uh, yeah, with a backup? Right. I don't know. I had no, I don't. Did. What do you know if that's serious? I literally have no idea. Honestly, don't know. But I do know they played Bedlam with a backup. They still have Chuba Hubbard though, who is as good. Whoa, whoa, whoa! His name is not Chuba. When I was watching Bedlam, they said Chuba. We're not that's, into phonetics on this show, if y'all haven't. That's very disappointing. That very disappointing that his name is not Chubba Hubbard. Back to the text line, 601-879-4395 uh, from the 662 here. I think you've said your name is Nick in previous text, but uh, either way, you say, say what you want. Freeze moved Ole Miss closer to a national championship than they have uh, ever been. And without Freeze's tenure at Ole Miss, you don't hire Lane Kiffin in 2019. So, um, Freeze earned a top four ranking and won an Access Bowl. Guess who earned a top four ranking and won two? Mister Dale Nutt. And True that story. that second half, as Rippy actually said at the break, I'm going to steal it from him. Uh, that's not making the point you think it's making. Because, yeah, without Hugh Freeze and 
his tenure at Ole Miss. You don't end up with Lane Kiffin, but that's because if the program doesn't get decimated and cratered, you don't get Matt Luke, and then you don't get Lane Kiffin. It's not like yeah, Kiffin's Mi- not here because he raised the profile, right? I mean, he mentioned, you know, he's like, yeah, I mean, I've seen them beat teams like Alabama. I was a coach at Alabama. But he's not saying, I took the job because Alabama lost a game in 2014. What he's saying is, hey, look, you can win here, and they've done it. Not, I took the job because they did it. There's a huge difference. He took the job because it's an SEC job with a roster that was better than Arkansas's. That's why he took the job. The Super Bowl team was a nine $4 million a year, too. Yeah, Yeah. that that certainly helps. That team, and I know it's going to hurt a lot of our listeners for me to give Ole Miss some credit, but that team was a lot better than nine and three. They had two. They had all three of their losses were really inexplicable. They lost to a Florida team that was good but not great, and they got blown out in that game. They lose to Memphis of all teams, and then the ridiculous fourth and twenty-five. I mean, they beat Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and State, and didn't win the West. Yes, that is that is something that will probably never happen again. But, I mean, I see what you're saying, the closest they've gotten to a national championship, but were they that close? Yes. They lost In three games, of, though. They lost three games, but if they if that crazy play with the Arkansas game doesn't happen, they win the SEC West. They go to the championship game where they would have murdered uh, Florida in the rematch. Without Will Greer. Yeah, and... <laughs> You're in the play. Even with two losses, they're in the playoff. To this guy's point, too, some argue they were a Treadwell injury away in 14. I don't necessarily buy into that, but I mean, it's. I think it's a decent enough point. The 15 team was much better, though. Much better. No, I don't disagree with that. Worse defense, but better offense. Yeah. Stan and Ripley. And what, uh, go ahead. And not. I mean, you say worse defense, but not terrible defense. They were just a little bit worse. It was probably, I mean, it's a very similar to state this year versus state last year. Top in college football versus very good. I know state had guys sit out, but full strength to full strength. Yeah. Stan and Ripley uh, points out correctly that we haven't talked about the football guys skipping out on the Mississippi Alabama high school all star game. He said it's trickling down to the high school level as well. Is that happening? Apparently so. I don't know all the details of it, but I did see. Uh, I think it was a coach say that a lot of these guys are missing it to take the ACT. That well, I mean, that, that seems that, uh, that, that's, understandable. And I'll go ahead and be honest with you. After what happened to, to Clarence McDougal, I would I would I wouldn't play in it either. That guy was one of the best high school football players in this state's history. Goes down there and suffers a horrific injury, and he was never the same. He also asked if we've seen uh, the latest report from ESPN that Major League Baseball is uh, going to remove marijuana from the list of drugs of abuse, but they will continue to test for opioids and cocaine. I think you're going to see that in the NFL. You're going to see that everywhere because states continue to legalize it. So as a league, I mean, what can you do? Uh, Alcohol is legal. Players after games go and have a drink. It'll be kind of the same thing because there are multiple teams and states and where that's within the rules of law. So those dudes crush beers is in the clubhouses. But yeah, I agree. If there's <laughs> you know a league I mean. that if there's a league that needs to do this though, it's probably the NFL, right? Yeah. 
Yes. And but it's because, kind of interesting you, timing while you have the federal government investigating one of your clubs over a similar matter. It's true. But yeah, I mean, like you said, Borky, it, it's starting to become legal in so many different places, and that, that's going to end up being a free agent uh, bonus. Like, like the first team <laughs> off the top of my, I mean, I'm seriously off the top of my head. If you're a free agent and you like to to, to smoke marijuana, and your choices are between Denver and New England, not uh, New England's probably not a good choice, but Buffalo, I mean, you might that might be a plus for you. That's something that you can sell people on. It's certainly not a negative for those guys. Who was that old pitcher? Uh, he pitched for uh, San Francisco. Had the long hair. Man, old. Come on, Tim Lincecum. Yeah, there was a, an old story about him and uh, what he did after he got drafted out of Washington, involving. Um, I'm pretty sure he was on the cover of High Times. So yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Really? You know that old Warriors coach Don Nelson? I think just lives out either somewhere in Hawaii or California, and is just the yeah. most stereotypical like. Weed guy of all time, like have you seen weed him guy lately? in a movie? It, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know how to properly describe it, but he looks like the big hairs, Lebowski, scruffy beard. Yeah, he's sitting around, you know, be a lot cooler if you did something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to break out that accent on air, but it's like that YouTube video. Hey, Dad. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brack, dude. There you go. From the 662. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Purple skirt. Um, Kiffin generating lots of enthusiasm in the Ole Miss fan base from John and Amory. That's all that he hears. Yeah, I mean, look, it's only as good as how they play in in the upcoming football season. If they roll out a 4-8, and eight, it'll be a little bit easier to swallow than this last one. But enthusiasm and stuff is great, and it's something that they needed, and it'll sell tickets. But – you still got to play football, and you still have to get people to stick around, and you do that by making changes on the football field. Because if you've been listening all day, we mentioned earlier, I mean, you can't even swap. Like uh, if Ole Miss would have won the Egg Bowl but lost to this team because they didn't have a win of consequence this year. They, they didn't beat anybody. So you have to you have to look more competent, which I imagine that that's going to happen. Um but you've, you've got to win games. Enthusiasm only lasts so long, and Ole Miss is going to win the offseason in this state. But come, what is it, September 5th in Houston, yeah, things get real again. It's interesting with that. You talked about winning the offseason. There's not like a huge high-profile recruit. McKinley Jackson's the top guy. But there's not a guy between state and Ole Miss that are like, oh, who wins that? That, that would like give you some offseason momentum. That's, that's an interesting side note to the recruiting situation this year. Sports Talk Mississippi.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.